Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to try to finish up Luke chapter 7. And we ended Luke chapter. Uh, we ended the last podcast talking about uh, the centurion servant who uh, loved the Jewish people, even though he was a Roman soldier. He was uh, uh, in charge of many people over in a Roman army. He was a Gentile, but he loved the Jewish community that he was over, in so much that he was he gave money out of his own pocket to build them a synagogue and and here he is he has a Jewish slave that is sick and at the point of death and and somebody had told this man about Jesus and how Jesus is hope and how Jesus could heal this uh, sick slave if if the centurion could just get Jesus to either come over or if they could get this this sick person to Jesus and, and the centurion evidently believed what he was told because he's going to send the two Jewish elders to Jesus and ask Jesus to come to his house and heal this sick uh, slave that he has. <coughs> so <coughs> I, I ended with a, a verse that says uh, from Romans chapter 10, 14 and 15. In verse 15 it says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And I asked, what does your feet look like? Do we tell people about Jesus? And and if we are telling people about Jesus and giving people hope, it doesn't matter how ugly our feet are, but they are still beautiful because we tell people about Jesus. And somebody told the centurion about the hope that Jesus can give to this sick slave. And the centurion wasted no time sending these two Jewish elders to Jesus, asking Jesus to come over and heal this slave. And so uh, Jesus is going to decide to go. And I, I want to dig on deeper into this story with this Roman centurion. It's, just, it's very interesting. It's fascinating, actually. And so Jesus is going to come to this guy's house. And, and we're again, we're going to see something that the centurion does that this, this guy just even blows the mind of Jesus. In Luke 7, verses 6 through 10, this is what Luke says. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself about coming to my home, for I'm not, I'm not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Can you see the humility, the, the humbleness of this this Roman centurion who is in a, a place of authority, who is a man of power. He's in charge of a, 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 a bunch of officers, and he commands them to do something, and they do it immediately. He's in a place of power, in a place of authority, and, and yet he humbles himself enough to even send for Jesus. And as Jesus is approaching his home, he sends out some friends and says, don't even trouble yourself by coming to my home. I'm, I'm, I'm not even worthy of such an honor. So you can see this man's heart. And, and, and not only his heart for the Jewish people, but just, just he knows his place. He knows his role. Even though he is in a place of authority, even though he has power, 
he humbles himself and he says to Jesus, he says, I'm not even worthy of such honor for you to come to my home. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. And we'll talk more about this in just a minute, but it just blows my mind that this guy has an opportunity to meet God in the flesh. This man who's going around doing all these miracles and he's about to witness a miracle for him. So he's asking for a miracle. And he says, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my home. I'm not even worthy to come out and meet you. And this is a man who is in a place of authority, a centurion who is a mighty man in this army. And he says, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my home, Jesus. I'm not even worthy to come out of my house and come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, he says, and my servant will be healed. That's amazing. Just say the word, Jesus. You don't even have to take another step toward my house. Just stand right there where you're at and, 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 and just say the word. And the guy, my slave, he will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it, he says. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to the crowd that was following him, and I'm sure it was all Jews, a big crowd of Jewish people. Jesus, when he heard this, he was, he was amazed. He turned to the crowd, and he's following him, and he says this, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. I have not. He's talk, he turns and he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his Jews, his, his, this crowd who are who were a bunch of Jews. And, and he says, I'm t- this is a Gentile. This is a Roman. This is a, a Roman officer in, in a place of authority over a bunch of people. And he has a bunch of slaves. And, 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 and this guy said, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house. I'm not even worthy to come out of my house and meet you. Just say the word. Just stop where you're at and say the word. And, and this Jewish slave that, that I care for so much will be healed. And Jesus turns to this all these Jewish people and he says I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel in other words I came for the Jews I am the Jewish Messiah I came for the lost sheep of Israel Jesus is going to say that several times throughout the Gospels and he says here is a Gentile man who you would have no dealings with because you're Jews and you can't stand the Gentiles. You hate the Gentiles. You don't have anything to do with the Gentiles. And here's this Gentile man who is in a place of authority. He's a Roman, a Roman officer, and he is showing more faith than the people that I came for. When the officer's friends, Luke says in verse 10, when the officer's friends returned to his house, They found the slave completely healed. Jesus said, I tell you, I have never seen faith like this in all of Israel. Now think about this. Up to this point, people have been doing whatever, you know, whatever they could do to get to Jesus so they could be healed. And that includes tearing off someone's roof, somebody's personal property at their house and lowering their sick friend, their, their paralytic friend down to Jesus, right? So they're destroying property to get to Jesus. Crowds are following him wherever he goes, always wanting something from Jesus, right? And there's a crowd following him to the centurion's house. But the centurion sends out some friends to meet Jesus. And as he approaches his house, 
He doesn't even want him to come to his home. He doesn't want him to come inside. Because even though he is a man of honor, a man with power, a man who is well respected among the Jews and uh, the Gentiles, he knows his place. As The Rock used to say in the WWE, know your role, know your role. This guy humbles himself and he says, I'm not even worthy to have to, to come out and meet Jesus. I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house. I'm not worthy to even come out and meet you. Just say the word where you are. Now, here's the thing. Can, can you imagine having the chance to meet Jesus face to face and saying, ah, uh, that's okay. I'm not worthy to do that. Can you, can you let, let's put it in, in today's in a perspective of today. Could you imagine having an opportunity to meet somebody famous and saying, ah, oh, no, I'm not going. I'm, I'm not even worth, you know, they're, they're famous, they're, they're rich, and I'm just, you know, I'm just your ordinary, average, everyday person, and I'm, I'm not worthy to even be in their presence. <clears throat> that would be crazy. Uh, I, I remember going to uh, St. Louis when I was a teenager. We were big baseball players, me and my cousin, huge baseball fans. We grew up playing sports, and and I would often go to, uh, to Memphis and, and visit with him, and, and he was a huge Cubs fan. I was a huge Braves fan. He was a huge Cubs fan. And this is back when Ryan Sandberg was playing one of the – probably the greatest second baseman to ever play baseball, uh, Major League Baseball. And uh, uh, we stayed in the Marriott Hotel there in St. Louis because the St. Louis Cardinals was playing the Chicago Cubs. And so if you stayed in the Marriott, that is where the visiting team uh, that came to play the St. Louis Cardinals, that's where they stayed, was in that hotel. And this is back when Harry Carey was uh, uh, the, the announcer for the Cubs, the famous Harry Carey. Uh, they had Andre Dawson, Shawan Dunstan was shortstop, uh, Ron Say, I believe was the third baseman. Um, I, I can't remember what, who all the, the players they had was, but, uh, but Ryan Sandberg was the biggest one there uh, on second base. And we would meet these players in the elevator of this hotel or in the hallways of these hotels, and it was just the coolest thing. And we had a pennant, a Cubs pennant, and they would autograph it. And we got the whole Cubs team autograph, uh, including Harry Carey. He wrote, Holy Cow, Harry Carey. It was just the coolest thing to meet these people, except for Bob Denier. Bob Denier wouldn't sign for whatever reason. He just was a jerk and, and kept on going when, when these two little teenage kids asked for his autograph. But he kept going and didn't sign. So he's the only one we didn't get. But we're sitting there. We didn't have Ryan Sandberg, the, the, the one that we absolutely wanted because it's my cousin's hero. And so we're, 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 there was a, we found out there's a gate where the players come out at, at the stadium. And so we go to this gate and we're waiting to see, you know, these players start trickling out. And we're saying, maybe Sandberg will come through here we can get his autograph. Because, you know, it's about time for us to go back to Memphis, where my cousin lived at the time. And, and, and so we're watching and sure enough, it happens. There, there's, there's not a whole lot of people around, but there's a little crowd around. And this guy comes walking out. And you know, in street clothes, and he's got a he's got a baseball cap, and it's pulled down over over his real close to his eyes, and he has sunglasses on. So the, his baseball cap was basically meeting the top of his shades, and it was Ryan Sandberg. And me and my nobody was going to him. It, it, it's like nobody paid attention to this person. And me and my cousin saw him, and we, we, it, he was already away from the crowd, and he walked past us, and we looked at each other, and we're like, 
Was that Ryan Sandberg? I think that was Ryan Sandberg. That is Ryan Sandberg. And we took off running. And when we said, that is Ryan Sandberg, out of excitement, we said it real loud, so a lot of people started coming over. But he signed our pennant, and we got his autograph. And I remember my cousin, he was saying, touch him, touch him. And he was just poking Ryan Sandberg on the arm. But he was so excited. I can't even, I couldn't imagine my cousin having the opportunity to meet his, his baseball hero. His childhood hero, Ryan Sandberg, and saying, "Ah, oh, no, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, bother Ryan Sandberg. I'm not gonna go, and you know, even though I know he's he, he's gonna be coming through this gate, uh, and I have an opportunity to meet my childhood hero, I, I, I'm just not worthy. Now that that that's crazy thinking. When most people, when we have an a, a opportunity to meet a celebrity." We meet them and we go talk to them, you know, just to you know, just to see what they're like at least, and to, and maybe to get their autograph. And yes, they are ordinary people like we are, but they're famous. They've done something uh, uh, worthy of accolades. They they've made a lot of money. They're you know they, they they've got fame, and, and that and that's what a lot of people strive for when we're teenagers and when we're little kids. We want to be famous. We want to be rich. We want to, and so we have an opportunity to meet somebody like this, and we and we say. Oh, no. I, I, you know, as an adult, many, many adults maybe do that, but not as a kid. And, but here, this Roman centurion has an opportunity to meet God in the flesh, to meet Jesus firsthand. And he says, nah, I'm not going to do it. I, I, I'm not going to uh, waste uh, Jesus' time because I'm not even worthy to come out and meet him. I'm not even worthy to, for him to come into my home. And here's a man who is an authority, humbling himself. And so it shows us the heart of the centurion. He was already practicing what Jesus had preached on the what we call the Sermon of the Mount in Luke chapter 6. This, this centurion that Luke hits us with in Luke chapter 7 is a great example of somebody who hears about Jesus, he has faith that Jesus can heal his sick slave, and he's obedient, and he sends the two Jewish elders to Jesus, ask Jesus to come over and heal him. And as Jesus approaches, he says, just stop where you're at and say the word. This is the kind of faith that he has in Jesus. Just stop where you're at and say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, this blows my mind. I've never seen faith like this among all the Jews of Israel. A Gentile displaying faith that you should have. What kind of faith do you have? It's questions you have to answer. We're going to go to break. When we come back from break, we're going to dive into this widow who is literally on her way to bury her only son. And you want to talk about God's timing. That's exactly what I believe this is, what is about to happen here in Luke chapter 7. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Dinah Grace Hawk, and I'm so excited that my new original Christmas single, He is Jesus, is now available wherever you stream music. Be sure to give it a like and a share and follow me on any of the main social media or music platforms at Dinah Grace Hawk for more. So 
Jesus has healed the centurion servant's uh, slave, and he is going to leave Capernaum, and he's going to head to a village called Nain, N-A-I-N. This would be over a day's journey walking, and uh, a crowd is going to be following Jesus. And uh, again, in my opinion, this is all about God's timing. That's what I was saying as we was going to the break, because it just so happens that when they get to the gate to enter uh, Nain, that there's a, a crowd coming out uh, following this widow who is on her way to literally her son his her only son has has died and she is on her way to bury her only son she's already lost her husband and now she has lost her only son so we have this crowd with Jesus right and we have this crowd coming with uh, this this widow who is about to bury her son a crowd that is mourning a child and a crowd who is excited to see what Jesus <coughs> excuse me what Jesus would be doing next because that's what they're they're, they're 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 following Jesus for the show what is this guy gonna go uh, gonna do next right and so uh, um, I guarantee you that they never thought that they would see what they're about to see Jesus stops his funeral and he tells the widow he says look lady don't don't cry and he, 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 he walks over to the casket and he lays his hand on the casket. He touches it and he tells this dead kid to get up. And the kid gets up and he sits up and he starts talking to Jesus like nothing ever happened. They'd never seen anything like this that I remember uh, in their life. They've seen open deaf ears open. They've seen deaf, uh, open, uh, blind eyes open. They've seen uh, the mute speak. They they uh, have seen withered hands being healed. They've seen demons cast out. And now here is a, a person who is dead, now alive again, like nothing had ever happened before. And Jesus takes the kid and he hands him over to his mom. Can you imagine the look on her face and how thankful that she is because her son is, you know, her only son. She's lost her husband because she's a widow, and now her son is back with her again. Jesus has done all of these things, and now he has raised a dead person back to life. You know, I, I, I could just imagine Jesus thinking or, or looking around to see if there's any religious leaders because now, you know, Jesus is an enemy to the Pharisees and to the religious leaders. And, 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 and I'm just thinking, you know, what are they going to think when they hear about this, right? What, this is really just going to up the ante and just really upset these, these religious leaders. Uh, in verse 16 and 17 of Luke chapter 7, Luke says, Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us. Well, the religious leaders aren't going to like that. A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Now, the word fear here in the Greek is phobos, which literally means fear as in terror or dread. These people had never, ever seen anything like this, and it freaked them out. And, and, and I would say so. <coughs> and the news about Jesus kept on spreading all over Judea and the surrounding places. And they say, a mighty prophet has risen among us. Now remember, the last words that were spoken by God was through prophets 
400 years ago, or over 400 years ago, really, and God has been silent ever since for over a 400-year period. So these people are full of fear because they realize, uh-oh, God is back. God has been, he's been silent all of this time. Since the prophets have died, it's been silence. But now the silence has been broken. There is a prophet among us, and they're calling Jesus a prophet, which he was. And he was a high priest as well as other things. King of kings, Lord of lords. But God has broken his silence, and it scared them to death. Literally, they were full of fear. And so a question I have for you is this. Does, does God scare you? Does God scare you? And, and, and this is my opinion, but I think that people have lost their fear of God. We're, we're not in, in Acts chapter 2, it talks about how the people were in awe of God after the Holy Spirit fell. And those people came uh, in obedience to the gospel and, and give their life to Jesus. It talks about the church being in awe of God. We have lost that sense of awe. We have lost our fear of God. I mean, just look around. Look at our society. Look at our world. You see that it's obvious that we have no or very little fear for God. This is a God who can send us to hell or who can save us and send us with him in heaven for eternity. But yet we don't believe it because if we did, it would affect the way that we live on a daily basis. It would affect every choice that we make. We have people killing people for no reason and they don't blink an eye. They show zero remorse, no remorse. Like it just doesn't even affect them whatsoever that they have taken innocent lives. We have people that sin in all kinds of ways and they justify their actions. And, it, it, you know, and if they feared God, if they feared God, they would not do the things that they do or that they did. What about you? Do you fear God? Do you have an awe? Do you have this respect for this mighty being, this holy God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah God? You know, maybe you're not, and I hope you're not, by the way, going out there and killing people or doing what we call the big sins. But do you fear God? Are your decisions, your daily decisions, are they focused around what God thinks, what God wants you to do? Are your decisions made around Him? Is He the focal point of your life? Or do you just do what you want, not really care about what God thinks or the, what the consequences are? And so uh, Luke is, we're going to move on to uh, Jesus and, and, and Luke is, uh, and John the baptizer. And Luke is going to focus now real quick at the end of the chapter on John the Baptist. In Luke 18, 13 through 35, we uh, know that uh, from Matthew's uh, account of John's story, he's in prison and he's about to be beheaded. And that is crucial here because John, even though that he has baptized Jesus, even though that he saw the dove come down out of heaven, which was the Holy Spirit, it lighted on Jesus, it landed on Jesus, and God says, from heaven, John hears the voice of God the Father, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. John is going to have a moment of weakness in prison. He, 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 I'm sure he's realizing that something's not right and he's probably about to die. 
And so, and we have to remember, this is also the guy who, when, when he saw Jesus coming to be baptized, he yelled out to the people, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so he is going to doubt Jesus. Despite he was the forerunner of Jesus, spoken by prophets long ago, and he's done all these things, and he's seen Jesus, baptized Jesus, saw the Holy Spirit, heard the Father's voice with confirmation that, hey, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. John is going to doubt. And so he's going to send some disciples from the prison. He's going to send disciples to Jesus for reassurance. And he says, "I, I need to know are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we have been looking for all this time, or do we look for another? And here's what Jesus says to those disciples. He says, you go back to John, and you tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Here's Jesus once again adding something to the end of his answer, just like he did with the Pharisees in the last chapter, when he added, the Son of, uh, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He adds, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. In other words, give John this message of assurance because I know what he has done for me in my kingdom and tell him, don't give up right now. Hang on tight until the end. And so, as we go into break, I, I, I just want to encourage you. you know, it's easy to come to Christ and live for Christ. And when something comes into our lives... It, 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 it's very difficult, you know, a loss of a loved one, some kind of tragedy, you know, uh, any, just fill in the blank with anything that discourages us. It takes our focus off of serving Jesus and we get on uh, whatever this situation is, is going on in our lives. And, and, and it's easy to do that. And we're so full of faith in the beginning, but when this thing comes into our lives, that has hurt us, that has caused us so much pain, that that has caused us to lose our focus on Jesus, we, and, and we have gone on and put our focus onto this thing. We, we, it's easy for us to be like John, who has walked with Jesus, who literally had his hands on Jesus and put Jesus in the water and brought him up out of the Jordan River and saw that Holy Spirit come down in the form of a dove and heard the voice of God. This man who saw all this behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world this man doubted because he's faced with death he knows that he is about to die and in that moment of confusion of doubt fear and that is the key word right there fear fear will cause us to do cause us to do many things and it will cause us to doubt. And it will cause us to question. And when those things come into our lives, these life challenges is what I like to call them. When these life challenges come into our lives, it causes fear and it causes doubt. And this man who was so full of 
Jesus and so full of the Spirit and being the forerunner of Jesus and paving the way for Jesus, he is facing death in prison for preaching the truth to somebody. Hey, this is you're not right. You should not have married your brother's sister. You're wrong in this. And it cost him his life. They're going to cut his head off and serve it on a silver platter. And in that moment, he doubted. And he just needed to be reassured. And Jesus reassures John. You tell John that all of these miracles have taken place. There is hope for the hopeless. And then Jesus says, but also tell him this. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. First of all, if it wasn't if it wasn't possible to fall away, then why would Jesus say, don't fall away because of me? In other words, I know you have given your life for me. Don't give up now. Keep going. Don't stop now. I know you're facing a hardship. I know you're facing death. I know you're going through this situation in your life. And I know it's probably come because you have been trying to follow me and, and, and Satan has attacked you or this person has attacked you because of your stance in me. But don't stop now. And that, that's what this, this podcast is all about, is to encourage people, encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.